Hi everyone, I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and welcome to OMD Daily, a podcast about investing in people. Every Monday to Friday, I share with you what I learned the day before from studying people and companies through conversations, whether it's through interviewing investors and business leaders, to reading books and financial reports, and digesting learnings from all the other storytelling mediums out there. The goal is to build my own PhD in combining human performance with investing to figure out how I can help leaders build utopian companies. By exploring my own curiosity, I hope to become a little wiser every day and hope this adds a little nugget of learning to you on a daily basis. Hey everyone, welcome back to OMD Daily. This is the July 16th, 2020 episode, and today I am going to talk about a company called Heiko. It's spelled H-E-I-C-O. I actually don't know what it stands for. I've just always known it as the Heiko Corporation for a very long time. And I started doing a pretty... well. It was more of a curiosity of mine, and I've been familiar with the company for a while. It's the I, the company kind of came on my radar as one of the kind of high-performing conglomerates, HPCs, that um, Mark Leonard from Constellation Software had talked about in the past, I think. And it's, I'd say, a company that's quite popular in the compounder, quote-unquote, investor circles. And if you're familiar with a company called Transdime, it's always kind of compared with that company. Transdime is uh, another high-performing conglomerate, which is known to have a outsider CEO in Nick Howley, and they are very focused on the aerospace, aerospace parts, and Heiko kind of has a very similar reputation. And so the exercise I thought about doing was just kind of reading through all the shareholder letters that are just easily available. So... I think on Heiko's website, they had from 2011 to 2019 uh, annual reports just all out. So I figured, yeah, why don't I just read through all nine years of the shareholder letters, see if it's any good, and just kind of talk about what they share and things I kind of pull out from it. So that's kind of the intention of today's episode. Um, so it's not going to be like what I've done in the past, which is which might be a more of a holistic business uh, analysis. This is more just purely pulling out stuff from the shareholder letters just to see what does management share. And it's kind of giving me more of an indication of what do the CEOs, like management team, really care about? What are they focused on? And also to kind of get further insights into the company's, like the organization structure and the culture. Usually that's just what I'm always trying to find. And I think this will be an ongoing experiment of constantly reading through shareholder letters of companies to see, or really to find management that, um, talks about the things that I'm excited by that I believe are the important things about a company. So at least still at the high level, I think it's really important to at least get an understanding of what this company is for you to be interested. So Heiko, the way they uh, describe themselves is a rapidly growing global aerospace defense and electronics company focused on niche markets and cost-saving solutions for its customers. And its customers include the all the world's really airlines, um, overhaul shops, satellite manufacturers, commercial and defense equipment producers, medical equipment manufacturers, the government agency like the military, uh, telecommunications equipment suppliers, and various other companies. I'd say um, they really have two large operating groups. They have the flight support group, which practically deals with all the um, aftermarket parts and aircraft replacement parts that are all FAA approved for commercial aircraft carriers and you know airplane manufacturers, etc. Uh, and then they have a second business group, which is the electronics technologies group that kind of handles everything else. Um, but the parts there can and do are used in 
aircraft manufacturers in aviation and stuff as well. But it includes a whole slew of other things like um, parts for microwaves, parts for medical equipment, um, space technology, which I guess would still be part of aerospace, but it's just not in the airplane. Um, it's just not focused on airplanes alone, I guess. That's how you can look at the electronics technologies group. So the brief history of the company is that it's um, it's run by the Mendelssohn family, and it's the chairman is the father, Lawrence Mendelssohn, and it's run and it's also run by the two sons who work there as well, Eric Mendelssohn and Victor Mendelssohn. So while the father is the chairman and CEO, uh, both sons are co-presidents. So each son runs each of the two business groups I mentioned uh, just before. And the Mendelssohns took over the Heiko business, I believe, in 1990. The business has been around for much longer than that. I think it started in the 1960s or something closer there. Um, and it was a struggling business, and the sons actually brought the business to the father and said, hey, you know, dad, you're an accountant, and why don't we just kind of, you know, turn this business around? And that's how it started in 1990. And since then, I think the share price has grown at something like uh, 24 25%. I'm just throwing a ballpark here. It's 20% plus um, compounded annually since uh, the Mendelssohn's took over. So it's a company that's done really well, and that's probably why it's really popular. And... So in, I'll, I share the entire, I guess, excerpts I pulled out from the shareholder uh, letters. So kind of similar to the Atlassian report that I had in the previous episode, um, I thought about pulling out various segments of each letter, labeling it chronologically, but at the same time separating it by category of what does this particular point address and just talking about things uh, the, or pulling out categories that I found to be quite interesting. So the categories I pulled out were metrics, uh, M&A, market focus, uh, people in R&D, dividends and stock splits, long-term focus, and then customer focus in terms of quality and reliability of the business. So those are the kind of categories I go over um, or I have notes for in the show notes. So you can find the show notes at omdventures.com. And for this episode today, I figured I'll just kind of go over the higher level um, key things I pulled out from the letters and kind of a, a reflection. I think overall, the format and structure of these letters was quite consistent. Um, each letter since 2001 has a one-pager, which is called the management's message, and it's written by the family, the son and the, um, the father and the sons. And then it goes into a Q&A, which is also usually a one-pager that kind of addresses, I guess, usually about five questions. Um, and overall, I'd say that the message is pretty high level, which was quite disappointing. Um, the method, the one-page letter to shareholders, um, it talks about usually financial results, um, not too much into the business. It shares like the acquisition, it shares dividends and stock splits. It's, I think they spend quite a lot of time kind of talking about how amazing the dividends are. They always seem to increase dividends constantly. Um, they, I think... Over the nine-year letters I've read, they've done at least five stock splits. It's usually a five-for-four stock split. I don't really understand why they do that. Um, They don't really share that either. They don't talk about uh, why they do these stock splits. I think since the company's history in 19... Since 1995, the company has done closer to... What is it? Like 17 stock splits um, or something like that. Or 17 stock splits and stock dividends, which I just found really weird 
um, I think there's management kind of shares the rationale somewhere else, but they actually they don't do that in the letter, which is found to be pretty disappointing, especially since they constantly talk about it every time. And as far as dividends go, I believe they've issued uh, they issue semi-annual dividends and they've done it like it's like the 83rd consecutive um, semi-annual dividend since 1979. So I think because they've continuously paid a dividend before the Mendelssohn's took over, they just continuously kept up with the tradition. Um, that's one thing I think is to be the case. But I remember reading somewhere else, I think it might be a transcript on the question of dividends for stock buybacks that the Mendelssohn's prefer to just pay out dividends instead of stock buybacks because they don't want to um, shrink the share base at the current moment. So that's, a, I think, a unique perspective, but it's nothing different from, I think, uh, Constellation Software, although I think they have a different reason of why they prefer uh, dividends or they prefer um, not to do share buybacks, not so much that they prefer dividends, so to speak. Um, but once again, usually when I look at shareholder letters, I don't like looking at them if I don't think management is aligned with shareholders. So I need to see big insider ownership. And I think um, Heiko, so they have two different classes of stock. They have the regular common stock and then they have class A stock, which I believe have less voting shares. But it's kind of like the Berkshire approach where there's the B shares and I mean the A shares and the B shares and um, the B shares have no or one tenth of the vote. Whereas I think in Heiko's case, A shares have a vote. I'm sorry, the common stock has a vote and then the class A shares do not have any votes. So it usually trades at um, a discount. I think it's like a 10% 10 to 20% discount on average. But anyhow, in terms of total ownership, I believe the insiders own an act, uh, own about 20% um, of the common stock and about four, four and a half to 5% of the class A stock. So combined, they I would say I have a pretty material ownership um, of the business, like the Mendelssohn family alone. The three individuals collectively own, I think, close to, um, what is it? I'm just doing a quick math here, about 16% of the common stock. So relatively material insider ownership, which I'm pretty happy to see, which also kind of adds some validity to the shareholder letters because, I mean, why would I read something that someone writes if there is no ownership there, right? So, yeah, the... I would say overall, I was relatively disappointed on the format. I was kind of hoping for more lengthy, lengthy uh, letters describing the business, especially because of the reputation that Heiko seems to have in the investor community. Like I could get there's a great business, um, but they also have a reputation for having a pretty um, strong management team. And for me, one indication of that is um, a, a good set of shareholder letters because that allows shareholders to get an insight into that for us to make a, a judgment call on is this a good management team or not. And so that although that was disappointing, I still ended up reading through all nine of them, uh, nine years worth, just to kind of vet it out. So although they have one pager talking about the financials and quick, I guess, annual updates, and then one page in the Q&A, they do have a follow-up of like maybe about five to maybe ten pages that talk about the business uh, at a still, once again, high level, but it still is somewhat helpful in understanding the organization to a certain degree, like looking at some products as well as how they view customers, how they view their people, and how they invest in R&D. So I kind of included the contents from there in the notes as well. So overall, um, the letters continuously make reference to M&A um, because that's a big part of Heiko's growth. I, I believe in 2017, management noted how 
they are kind of striving to have 50% of their revenue growth come from sales and sorry, 50% of their revenue growth come from acquisitions and 50% from organic growth. And I believe um, over the last 10 years, revenues grown at about 14%, uh, a caker of 14%. So if we think about that, if we kept at the mark that management is intending for, then that's like 7% organics and 7% acquisition-based growth. Debatable, but give or take, that's uh, one way to think about it. Um, yeah, a lot of my notes definitely include on the M&A side because management continuously shares their uh, frameworks there. And I think a lot of investors are curious about how they think about M&A as well because it's a constant part of the business. Like I think currently Heiko is made up of something close to 75, maybe 80 different companies that they've acquired since 1990. So in essence, they're kind of like a conglomerate. They, like It reminds me of Constellation Software, which is made up of 300 uh, or so software companies. Heiko is made up of about 80 different manufacturing-based companies. And this, the focus, like the main business, is on niche companies. So the framework is that the business tends, has to be niche, preferably dominant in the ecosystem it plays in. It has to provide a product that is usually very mission critical uh, and highly reliable. So that's why they end up buying these companies have that make these small kind of weird widgets. Like I think Heiko provides something in the range of 60,000 different parts to various uh, aircraft manufacturers. So that's a lot of these small individual parts that, and I think 11,000, they have like something close to 11,000 um, FAA approved aftermarket parts. And these are these small nuts and bolts and little engines and little circuits and gadgets that go into creating large airplanes. So that's the kind of thing that you're thinking about. Um, all the little tech bits that no one really seems to notice, that's what they kind of specialize in. Um, another big theme that they share in the letters is a decentralized and aligned ownership approach to the acquisition as well as how they run the company. So when Heiko makes an acquisition, um, I noticed that in each letter that they do share what percentage of the company that they end up buying. So most of the times you'll see Heiko buy about 80% of the company. And the reason for that is that they want to give the incumbent management um, still kind of like an ownership mentality. And a mi- even though it's a minority stake, they will still feel like an owner and they'll incentivize as an owner. And so over time, the Heiko will end up acquiring, I believe, all the company out, but it's kind of a slower process. They just start with the acquiring of the about approximately 80% or even 70% so that incumbent management stays and they have an ownership still. Uh, and it kind of becomes like a joint partnership model. And I believe at the current moment, as of like 2019, the management has said about 80% of their acquired companies, so the 70 to 80 companies in their portfolio, are run by incumbent management teams. And that also kind of signals much closer to what management talks about as a decentralized operation where they acquire a business because it is a leader in that industry. And so management at the top believes that they should just allow the incumbent management to kind of run it on their own. And that's what it seems like is the current case. And that's continuously referenced in the letters. I think something else that made me want to look into the company uh, in terms of their shareholder letters was because I knew that they had a pretty strong um, employee stock ownership program. And I think there's a separate case where I think one of the, it might have been the son or the father who talked about how like the secretary that's been with Heiko for a long time is already a millionaire because 
I think since they since the Mendelssohns took over and they kind of revamped the stock ownership plan for all employees in the through their 401k plan um, in, in like 1995 the equity ownership inside that plan is close to like a billion dollars now in valuation so they've made a lot of their employees into millionaires just through the power of compounding all those years so that's pretty impressive and they do mention it um, to relative degree inside the letters but other than that there's really nothing particularly much in terms of org structure or how they run the business like they do constantly mention how um, their people are the most important asset they constantly invest in talent and how um, the focus in R&D and getting the best engineers uh, will allow them to drive organic growth but it seems like when they talk about investing in R&D they don't invest too much into it I'd say I think I read a a mention of like maybe three to five percent of net sales is invested into R&D and usually that requires a solid business plan that is very cash flow focused so i don't know how how they really um, execute on the r&d side despite constantly mentioning it in every annual letter and saying that is very key and um, important and i think another big part is overall letter letters tend to focus on cash flow um, i think one particular interesting thing is that I think it might have been the 2017 letter, which I think is probably the most useful one because it's their 60th anniversary letter and they kind of go a little deeper, talk about Heiko's kind of guiding principles, which are, I think, pretty helpful. Um, They actually talk about how, I think that's the letter where, in reference to whether Heiko is a aerospace company, given how many airplane parts that they supply, management uh, responded that they're not a they don't consider themselves an aerospace company. They consider themselves a cash flow generating business, which means that management is continuously on the lookout for other industries that they could always um, go into. So as long as they have very similar characteristics of being, you know, uh, the company that they want to acquire, being like niche players, um, providing mission critical products that are highly reliable, um, they will probably go into it. And I think that's what you kind of see with the, um, electronics group where they have these medical equipment manufacturers are kind of looking into space technology they're looking into um, like location like um, gps technology um, so it seems like management's always kind of on the lookout for businesses of similar kind of characteristics so i thought that to be unique and it kind of plays to the overall theme of how management focuses on sales operating income net income and net income per share diluted as kind of the key financial metrics, but they continuously also tout that cash generation is the most important thing, and they're always thinking about cash flow. And even when they think about projects internally or acquisitions, they're constantly looking at the cash flow uh, generating nature of each business. And they always want to look for businesses that generate high cash margin um, instead of businesses that require, I guess, like cash infusions to grow. Like they want businesses that are already generating a ton of cash. And I think finally, um, what I thought was also really cool is how the comp- Heiko still shares how much money they save their customers. And because their parts are kind of also advertised as cost solutions or cost saving solutions, um, Heiko's parts are not known to be at the, the premium quality parts. They're also kind of known to um, be not lower quality, but kind of one of the low low cost options, I believe, for their customers um and so it's 
It could also be the factor that Haiku just doesn't raise prices. I know that's a reputation they have. They're not predatory in their pricing, which tends to be the criticism that Transdime um, gets because they continuously uh, hike up their prices and some people call it kind of price gouging. Um, but Haiko has a reputation for not doing that and actually being very, I guess, collaborative with their customers. And I think since 2002, Haiko helped their customers save more than $3 billion in all these parts. Um, and it's more so they're, it's like, they're kind of like the Amazon model where they're constantly trying to find ways through their R&D to um, find, manufacture their own parts or change the parts that they currently have so that it becomes more, I guess, affordable for their customers. So I think that was pretty cool that they shared that, that continuous uh, focus. And there's also the quality aspect that management continuously talks about. And I think they've delivered, I think they've had zero um, like failures in the 70 million plus parts that they've delivered um, since I think the early like or the late 1990s or something. So that's also quite impressive um, because I think trust is a huge part of these businesses. Like that's one of their competitive advantages is that one of the, I think, ways to even get FAA approval on your parts is it has to be very trustworthy, it has to be safe, and once you get that uh, stamp of approval, all these companies want to use you because, I mean, these parts are never going to make it for a business. Like, you're not going to have a much better airplane because you have these nice little bolts and little gadgets in it, but you just don't want them to fail. So it's kind of those mission-critical things that you just want to have, and you just rather pay to a supplier that is very trustworthy. And if you do it at a cost-saving price, then that's even better. So I think that's kind of what Heiko hints at throughout their letters. Okay, so that's kind of it. Um, that's kind of what I took out from the nine years of shareholder letters I pulled out. It wasn't, I think it was, personally for me, it was a little uh, underwhelming. I was hoping to get more information um, on the company from the letters themselves. Like, I think the annual report does share a good amount of stuff. Um, but I think from the other sources I've read, uh, it's definitely clear that there's more you can pull out from transcripts, etc. Um, which is just, I don't know, I guess a little disappointing. I just like to have management be much more detailed in the shareholder letters, but it's a preference I just hold. And yeah, I hope to find more interesting shareholder letters in the future and hope this is a future segment that can be interesting for you and for me. All right, thanks for tuning in and take care.